Good morning. It is a joy to be able to be up here again. Now, the uh, past two weeks, um, I have had people usurping my uh, position and uh, been a little nervous. And so my wife asked me after I practiced this morning, she said, did it feel good to preach again? I was like, well, that one was to nobody, um, so that one felt good. We'll see if the one to somebody feels even better. So uh, it's, it's, but it's a joy to be with you again. And uh, there's a lot going on this summer, a lot of things, but I always love doing a, um, a little bit more um, lighthearted, more of a playful series in the summer for several reasons. One is it's usually around VBS time, and it helps get me in the mood for, for VBS because this is a fantastic opportunity that we're going to have next week. Um, this, is, this has been an impact for so many people for so many years, and not just the kids. Believe me, I probably grow and learn more every VBS week than, than our kids, and uh, I love it, and I love watching all of you uh, help spearhead it, and so make next week awesome. But one of the other reasons I like doing this is because I am, I am really just a kid at heart, and I realized this the other night whenever uh, we were reading story to my kids. Now, that's not unusual. We, we read stories, but the story started like this. Winnie the Pooh lived in the forest under the name Sanders, which means he had the name Sanders written over the door. He lived under it. One day when Pooh was sitting resting, his clock chimed. Now, what does that mean, wandered, uh, wondered Pooh? He knew it meant something, but being a bear of little brain, he had to think and think. And yes, that was it. It was time for his stoutness exercises. Up, down, up, down went Pooh, humming a little hum. Doing his stoutness exercises always made Pooh hungry. Oh, bother. The honey pot was empty again. There was nothing in it. He would have to go out and find some. And so Pooh went on walking, and he came to the sandy bank with a hole in it. It was Rabbit's hole. And Rabbit might say, what about a bit of lunch? Is anybody home? called Pooh. No, said the voice. Oh, bother, said Pooh. Isn't that you, Rabbit? No, said the voice. <laughs> Pooh stuck his head in the hole. I'm not going to continue and read all this story, but I just wanted to share you something. Oh, man. <laughs> you can borrow the book. It's a good one. Some of you may be familiar with this story. All right, this is whenever Winnie the Pooh meets Gopher. And Gopher has recently become one of my favorite um, auxiliary characters in, uh, in the Winnie the Pooh land, partly because I think I can identify with him a whole lot, and uh, he's my kind of guy. But uh, if you're not familiar with this story, I am sure that you're familiar with Winnie the Pooh and Friends and all of those that are in Hundred Acre Wood. These stories have been around for almost 100 years now, and so pretty much everyone in this room has had the opportunity probably to be exposed to this wonderful world but more recently, I was reminded of my childlike love for this story whenever the movie uh, Christopher Robin uh, was in the theaters. And I absolutely loved this movie where I, I was reminded of the world where stuffed animals like little, uh, little bears talk, where donkeys complain, where uh, tiggers bounce. And I enjoyed that so much. But what I found myself watching was a display of the gospel. And I realized more and more that 
these stories display something about the kingdom of God that we need to tap back into, that we need to understand life in Hundred Acre Wood has a lot of implications and a lot of parallels to life in the kingdom of God. Now, is it perfect? No. No story is going to be perfect that is outside of Scripture for our understanding here, but I think we can use it in parallel with plenty of Scriptures. And so this summer, we're going to embark in a journey through our childhood wood in the 100-acre wood. This 100-acre wood made up of a community where everyone knows your name. They see your imperfections and they accept you anyway. We can go through each of the characters and say, man, they have this flaw, this flaw, this flaw, this flaw. A bunch of flawed characters in Hundred Acre Wood. But yet every one of them is accepted. Every one of them is loved. Every one of them belongs. This is a, is a kingdom where kindness rules. You are expected to be kind. And not just love the way in your unique self that you are, you're also called to be something more. You're called to be something better. I believe that's a little bit of a reflection of what the church should be. You go back from the earliest disciples all the way until now as disciples. We are made up of men and women. We are made up of educated and not educated. We are made up of cowardly and brave. We are made up of those who are uh, big-spirited and those who are a little too simple-minded. All of us have a place. All of us are part of this thing called a church, and your uniqueness is actually celebrated in the kingdom of God. But you aren't called to remain your uniqueness. You are called to be something so much more than what brought you here in the first place. The thing about the gospel is Jesus would always see all everybody and would see their wonderful traits and their imperfections and he would find the good in them and then call that out even if that good didn't seem good to anyone else he would be able to call that out and make something absolutely beautiful out of the mess of our lives that's the story of the gospel it's also the story of the gospel in hundred acre wood so to start this series, I want to take us on a little expedition, or maybe it's an expotition. Pooh never can remember how to say big words, being a bear of little brain. So in the expedition to the North Pole, in the story that is told there, Christopher Robin announces that we're, to, to Winnie the Pooh that we are going to discover the North Pole. Well, Pooh Bear responds, what is the North Pole? Christopher Robin, a little ah, taken aback that uh, someone has actually questioned this because he, he's not so sure. He simply says, it's just a thing you discover. That was enough for Pooh. He joins in the expedition. He joins in the journey because it was enough for him just to know we're on a journey. In all reality, life is an expedition. Life is a journey. We walk from point A to point B. We live from one year to another. And it's a journey that passes by, and sometimes it passes by us, but sometimes we're on it. In this journey, we may not know exactly what we're going toward or what that final goal is that we're looking in this expedition, 
but we know it's out there. And it's all over Scripture as well. You can see I have, you know, I have snapshots. These were actually taken off of their Instagram accounts. Um, it's fantastic that they had those in the day. But Abraham and Sarah, they left their home, they sold their home, left for a land that they had no clue where it was or what it was about. They left with a vision and a voice that says, I will show you. And that's it. Talk about a journey. Fast forward a little bit. Moses leads the Israelites on a 40-year expedition, meandering through the wilderness, all following this God that has called them by name and promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. They have this vision, they have this dream, and they're on a journey to go there. Now, it's not always positive, but it's still a journey, and it's still an expedition. Jonah. Jonah decides to run from God. He doesn't want to do what God wants him to do, and so he runs the other way. He gets on a ship, but long story short, he gets to take the trip of a lifetime. Now, granted, I wouldn't want this trip, but what a story. He gets swallowed up by a big fish or a big whale or some sort of marine animal and, and travels for three days. There's a lot of weird pictures that come to my head with that, but what I know is this. The journey is never dull. When you're in an expedition with God, you're walking a big, beautiful path. This morning, we're going to uh, look at one expedition in which Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a mountain. This is in Matthew 17. And he takes them up to a mountain for a very specific purpose. Now, up to this point in the story, the disciples have been following Jesus for some time. They have been following him through many of different things. They have watched him feed 5,000 people with simply five loaves and two fish. They have watched him heal countless people. And they have listened to every sermon and every lesson that he has taught, not understanding all of them. But I just want to give you the, the understanding that the disciples were following Jesus. But where? It's a common theme with the disciples. We don't know where we're going. We're just following Jesus wherever he might be taking. But surely there's an end in sight. Surely there is a goal up ahead of where we're going. So Matthew 17, verse 1, starts like this. It says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them to a high mountain to be alone. This is the start of a story, of an expedition that is going to change things. This is a start. Peter, James, and John are going with Jesus on a trip. Where are we going? up to the mountain. That's all they really know. They're going to be in search of something. They're just not sure what it is. But I want you to notice, first off, there's a timestamp. The timestamp in this says six days later. Now that begs the question, what happened six days ago that we would begin this story with six days later? Well, six days ago, we go to the previous chapter. Six days ago, we see that Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Who is it that people say that I am, that the Son of Man is? This is a similar question that Winnie the Pooh asked Christopher Robin. What is the North Pole? 
What is it that we're actually searching for? What are these people looking for? Who do they say I am? So the disciples responded, well, some say, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're one of the other prophets. None of those are really bad options. I'm going to be honest, I would be totally fine if people started saying, you know what, I think Mitch is like the modern-day Isaiah. Or maybe with this jacket, I'd be the modern-day uh, Joseph. You know, I'd be all right with that. Nothing's wrong with any of those possibilities. But they're not right. The possibility of it's not wrong, but they're not right in G who Jesus is. So Jesus turns to his disciples and says, wait, but who do you say I am? You're the ones on this expedition with me. Who do you say that I am? Well, Peter proudly says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. I want you to notice, take note, this is six days prior. Six days later, they're going to be up on the mountain, and this is going to come back into play. But it's amazing how much we can forget in six days. I want you to know that in between these, another thing happens. Right after G uh, Peter proclaims this, that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus says, you are correct. And upon this rock, upon this confession, we are going to build my church. This is where we're going. This is what it's going to look like. And fast forward to now, you are a part of this grand journey, this wonderful expedition called the church. But soon after, Jesus pats Peter on the back. He has to reprimand him. See, Jesus, right after this wonderful proclamation about the church and what it's going to be and what it's going to look like, he says, I'm going to die. And he goes into some length of saying how he's going to die at the end of uh, chapter 16. And Peter can't take this. He pulls Jesus aside and says, not so, Lord. That's not how it's going to happen. Do you remember how Jesus responds to Peter? It's pretty harsh. Get behind me, Satan. You know, a lot of my journeys and uh, spiritual walk can be compared to Peter's. There are times whenever I give the answer that I feel the applause of heaven. I'm not trying to be arrogant here. I'm just saying, man, I nailed it. I got the right answer, and I feel that applause from heaven. And then it is not but two seconds later in my life that I feel the reprimand of the king of heaven because I've become too proud, too arrogant, or I've gotten the wrong idea. Isn't that your journey as well? Our expeditions are full of these mountaintop experiences right next to our valleys. But it's a journey. It's an expedition that's going somewhere. So for Jesus, he takes Peter, James, and John up on this mountain. Here's what happens. As the men watched, Jesus Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Who wouldn't give anything to be a fly on the wall in that scene? Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this 
is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified, fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. I think up to this point, Peter, James, and John probably felt like they were entering into something that was going to be amazing. For one, they've been singled out among the other disciples. You know, Jesus had a crowd that would follow him and and do different things, and then he had selected from them a 12 that would be his disciples, his apostles. But not all 12 were welcome to this mountain. Not all 12 were welcome on this expedition. It was just the three. And they may have thought that there's something special. They're going to be revealed something amazing. They just probably couldn't articulate it. You ask them at the foot of the mountain, hey, Peter, James, John, what do you think you're going to see at the top of the mountain? I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I, I want to see. I don't know. We're going to see this. Whatever it is, we're going to go. I doubt that they saw what they expected. Now, whenever Elijah and Moses show up, they know this is a monumental thing because Elijah and Moses both are big in the story. And if they show up, that means this is a definitive, defining moment. But they're scared to death because they get the answer wrong again. Lord, let's memorialize all three of you. You're right up there in the same standing. This voice from heaven says, no, no, no. They're not all equal. Jesus, my son, he's the manifestation of God here on this earth. Not just a God follower, he is God incarnate. You listen to him. You know what's crazy is the disciples may not have known exactly what they were looking for, but I'm sure they had this idea, we're going to go see God. We're going to go see what God's plan is. We're going to go see what the next step of this expedition that Jesus has taken us on, where it's going to lead us. And you know what they find? is not a destination. They don't find something that's over the river. What they find is that the very thing that they've been looking for has been walking with them every day. They find that Jesus is the point. And they have to go on this expedition to learn that. Let me relate that back to the story, illustrate this with the story with Winnie the Pooh in search of the North Pole, the expedition to the North Pole. When Christopher Robin announces that they're going to go in search for the North Pole, he announces we're not going to do this alone. So uh, Pooh Bear runs over to Rabbit, and convinces Rabbit to join. You know how that kind of goes. Rabbit is a little reluctant, but ends up going anyway. And then he goes over to get Piglet. Now, Piglet's pretty easy to convince. You just have to convince him that Christopher Robin's coming, and he will take care of anything that's scary. Rabbit goes and grabs Kanga and Roo, and of course, join in Owl, Tigger, and Eeyore, and a few of Rabbit's relatives. So they're all on this journey. And a lot of things happen in this journey, but fast forward to the, closer to the end of the story. Little Roo, the, can, uh, the kangaroo, little Roo is, is by the stream and he's washing himself up and he gets swept off into the stream. 
Christopher Robin warned that this could be a dangerous place, and he, and he gets swept off into the stream, and, and everyone's trying to figure out how to save little Rue. Well, Winnie the Pooh happens to be downriver, and he, and he just happens to have a big stick. And he lays the stick across the river, and Rue holds on to it, and he's saved. And everyone's cheering, and, and, and Rue is just proud of himself for swimming down the river like that. And Christopher Robin shows up, and he looks at Winnie the Pooh, and he says, Hey, where did you get that, that pole? Well, being the bearer of little brain, he doesn't remember. He just says, I didn't have it, and then I did. I don't know. And Christopher Robin says, You've done it, Pooh. You have found the North Pole. And they stick it in the ground. They put a sign on it that says, The North Pole found by Winnie the Pooh. Now, those skeptics among us are pretty sure that that was not the North Pole. Now, I may challenge the skeptics, have you seen the North Pole? You know, who are you to say that that wasn't? But the thing is, we may go, we know that's not the North Pole. Because the North Pole is a destination, right? Not according to Hundred Acre Wood. The North Pole is not a destination. It's an experience. And it's an experience of an expedition that drew a group of random animals and their child on a journey where they found not what they were looking for, but what they were meant to find. The disciples on that mountain may not have found what they were looking for, but they found what they were meant to find. They found Jesus. And that may not have been expected, but that journey proved to be worth every minute. In fact, I'm sure that they would talk about and they would ponder this event for the rest of their lives. See, the thing is, too often, we get so focused on some destination some eventual plan in the future in which one day, maybe, hopefully, we will all escape and be at. And we forget that with Jesus, it wasn't simply about where we're going, it's also that we're going. That we're on a journey, we're on an expedition. And I keep on using that word not just simply to honor Winnie the Pooh and his language. We can sometimes forget words like expedition and journey. My hope is using the word expedition, you know that that's a crazy made-up word, but now you're going to connect it, not simply to Winnie the Pooh, but you're going to connect it to the journey that Christ has invited you to walk with him on. That we are on a journey. And it's not simply just about the destination, it's about the who that we find along the way that we find what it's really all about, Jesus. But also what we find, we might find along the way, I guess, is some people that resemble the gloomy Eeyore, the perfectionistic rabbit, the know-it-all owl. I could point a few fingers to people here, but I'll, I'll hold off on that. The scared piglet, the foreigners, Kanga and Rue, the exuberant Tigger, 
the oblivious but lovable poo. Or their resilient leader, Christopher Robin. Thing is, what I find whenever I look at the brothers and sisters that I get to travel through this life with, I find a whole lot of connection and correlation to people, characters, in the Hundred Acre Wood. Now, you may take offense to that, but I want you to know I mean that as no offense. Because in that kingdom, and in this kingdom, you are loved for who you are, and you're invited on this journey with the church, this journey called life, that is not simply about going from point A to point B. It's not simply about trying to get into heaven. It's about the expotition of walking with Jesus every day. So the question is, would you join that? Are you up for an expedition? Or do you want to sit side, on the sidelines idly by? Jesus is encouraging you. He's saying, walk with me. Wherever he goes, let's go. We may not know what we f- will find, but we know he is there. And that's enough. So this morning, if you need a little encouragement in your journey, if you need to take the first steps of this journey of giving your life to Christ, we want to let you know that now is a fantastic time to give your life to him, to recommit, or whatever you might need. Would you let it be known as we stand and as we sing?